0: Well, we've added uh, so another speaker because we've been competing with the Ravens and uh, motorcycles going along lost floors and things of this nature. So hopefully we'll be uh, evangelizing the crows this morning and uh, all others <laughs> here in the park. Okay, well we are in John chapter 4 and like Craig last week, whom I gave him a passage of scripture where, which was a lot. Uh, I have a lot of scripture as well. Oh, children, you are dismissed over to the pavilion. If you want to participate in children's church right now, follow Miss Jessica over there. Okay? And, uh, uh, what this morning, what I'm primarily going to focus on is, uh, verses, uh, seven through 26. We'll read that passage of Scripture. But let's just set up where we're at in John chapter 4 this morning. Um, the The Pharisees in verses 1 through 3, they're inciting competition between John the Baptist and Jesus. They're saying that uh, Jesus is baptizing, his disciples are baptizing more, more people than uh, John the Baptist. And uh, Jesus gets wind of that, and he's not going to be part of that competition. So the Bible says that Jesus leaves Judea, the region of Judea, and he's going to go do ministry up in Galilee. But in order to go to uh, Galilee, the Bible says in verse 4 that he had to go through Samaria. Now, he didn't have to go through Samaria. If you are a religious Jew, if you are a staunch religious Jew, uh, you will never go through the territory of Samaria. Because Jews hate Samaritans. And so they'll either go the coastal route or they'll go the eastern route, but they'll never go through Samaria. And yet the Bible says in verse 4 that Jesus had to go through Samaria. Why did he have to go through Samaria? Because Jesus was obeying the will of his father. And the Bible said, you know, the the father has set up a divine appointment with a Samaritan woman. A person who has been running from God, her whole life. Now, a few weeks ago, we talked about what it meant and what it was, what it looked like to be born again. And Jesus had a conversation with Nicodemus, someone who was trying to do things right. Well, now Jesus is going to have a conversation with a woman who her whole lifestyle has had nothing to do with God. And you know what, church? Her life, who she is as a person, as a Samaritan woman, her life, who she is, is not beyond the grace of God. And God loves her. And God has, God the Father has sent the Son to have a conversation with this Samaritan woman. And so he's going through Samaria and you know what Um, as we look at Jesus' example again this morning Jesus' example as I preach is going to get me in trouble once again because Jesus is touching on some big social issues that are going on in our culture today one is racism and another is sexism and Jesus going through Samaria, going to a people group that Jews hate. And in fact, both Samaritans and Jews, they both hate each other. They can't get along with each other. And Jesus is touching on racism and sexism by his example, okay? Um, what he's saying that, when it comes to ethnicity, and when it comes to gender, we're all equal. Each each ethnic group, both genders are important, are significant in the eyes of God. And there are no barriers. And when it comes to Christianity, when it comes to following Christ, There is no room for racism or sexism in Christianity. There is zero room. And yet we live in a culture today where racism is an incredibly huge issue. And, you know, there's a segment of our culture today who want to convince us That when it comes to the issue of slavery, that the United States is responsible for having uh, created slavery. You know what? They haven't read their Bible. (laughs) Because if you read your Bible, starting with the Old Testament... Even in the law of Moses, the first five books, where do we find Israel in the book of Exodus? In slavery. And why is that? It's because of the heart of man. You know, when it comes to slavery, it's not an American problem. It is a humanity problem. And you're going to find racism all across the globe, throughout all of history. All of mankind has continually uh, uh, has had to deal with this issue, including the United States of America. And you know what? We have a dark past as a nation. Over the last 250 years almost. But we have come a long, long way when it comes to the issue of racism. Are we there yet? Nope. And as Christians, when we see injustice, yes, we need to stand up against that. But... What is going to resolve racism? And I don't have time to go on this again. You can go back to my sermon when Jesus cleansed the temple four weeks ago and revisit that message. If you haven't watched it, I encourage you to watch it. But it is a heart issue. And man is never going to resolve this issue on our own. Dismantling the government and ushering in something like Marxism is not going to make racism go away. It's only going to magnify it. The only thing that's going to subside racism and and and, uh, help us get along better with one another is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it is never going to be eradicated, church, until Jesus returns and sets up his millennial kingdom. And yet in this passage of scripture, Jesus is giving us as Christians, as a church, an example. That racism is not to exist in Christianity. And that we are to love all people, regardless of ethnicity, regardless of gender. So with that in mind, let me read verses 7 through 26 this morning. Verse 7, and a woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. For Jews have no, no dealings with... Okay, verse 10. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father's Jacob? He gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. And Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I shall not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying you have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped uh, on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. And Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will, the worship, will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know for salvations from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. God is spirit. And those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. And the woman said to Him, I know that the Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. All right. So the the crux of this passage of Scripture in John chapter 4 this morning is living water. Jesus says that... um, if you 're thirsty, to ask the Savior and here Jesus is thirsty, um, and he sees the Samaritan woman come to him and he asks, "Woman, give me a drink and uh, you see the conversation that occurs uh, in verses uh, seven through through nine it 's a bit of a, a contentious conversation she 's saying listen you 're a Jew." And Jews have no dealings with a Samaritan. And Jesus says in verse 10, listen, if you knew who was asking you for a drink, you would be asking him for living water. Jesus is going to reveal to this woman in this text this morning, and he's going to reveal to all of us, that it's through Christ and Christ alone that he is the ultimate thirst thirst quencher. He has living water. He is living water. In church, this is not a new concept. Her being a Samaritan could have known this had she fully believed the Old Testament. They embraced as Samaritans the first five books, but look at what the Word says um, about living water in the Old Testament. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 13, says this, Lord, you are the hope of Israel. All who forsake you will be put to shame. Those who turn away from you will be written in the dust because you have forsaken the Lord, the spring of living water. That's our Lord and Savior. Isaiah chapter 12, verse 3 says, With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. That's what the Spirit of Christ does in our lives when we're in relationship with Him. Isaiah 44, 3 says, For I will pour water on the thirsty land and the streams on the dry ground, and I will pour my spirit upon your offspring, my blessing on your descendants. Isaiah 55, verses 1 through 3. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. He who has no money, come Buy and eat, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which is not that does not satisfy? Listen diligent to me, to me. Eat what is good. Delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear that your soul may live. And I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure, sure love for David. And so in the Old Testament, God, the Spirit of God is the living water. And Jesus is in face to face with this Samaritan woman and says, woman, if you only knew who was asking you for a drink, you would be asking him. For living water. Church, that is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What is this living water? It is the activity of the Holy Spirit in our life. It is the presence of God in our life himself. And Jesus says this in John chapter 7, verses 37 through 39. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the spirit whom those who believed in him were to receive. Yet, as yet, for as yet the Spirit had not been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. But that's the living water, church. That is the, the presence of God in our life through the person of the Holy Spirit. And as we believe in, in Jesus, believe with our full heart, Love Him with all of our heart. Drink from His water, His living Word. That He is our bread of life. He is the the very blood of our life. That we walk in the light and we abide in Him, and abide in His Word. Guess what? The springs of living water will well up within us. And so a couple weeks ago, we looked at What it looks like to be born again. And in this passage of scripture. Jesus is our ultimate thirst quencher. And it is heaven coming into our our heart of hearts. our, Our soul. And welling up within us living water. This is what Jesus could do for her. And From this, from this conversation, she's beginning to get it. She's getting a little bit of a grasp. Look at verse 15. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water. I want this water going on so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Okay, she was getting a glimpse, but... Again, she was thinking in physical terms, that there was this secret. Oh, we didn't compete for that. we got to bring in another speaker next week. But uh, she thought that there was this secret water that she could drink and never have to come to the well again. Jesus isn't speaking in physical terms. He is speaking in spiritual terms. And again, she is spiritually blind, just like the Pharisees have been and all those who have rejected Christ. If she is truly going to comprehend what Jesus is t- trying to talk, is talking about for her to become, have spiritual sight, there's going to have to be the conviction of sin in her life the conviction of sin, and a conversion to Christ for her thirst to be quenched. And so she wants this, and so Jesus goes on. He says, okay, if you want this, go get your husband. Again, she's spiritually blind. There's no conviction of, of sin, of, of her lifestyle. And what does, she, what does she do? What does she say? I don't have a husband. You know? And what she is saying is true. But really she's in denial of her lifestyle. And Jesus knows it. And Jesus is, is pressing there. What he says, what you say is true. You're not married right now. You're living with somebody. But you've had five husbands. And so she changes the conversation. Well, Jesus, I perceive that you're a prophet. And so let's talk a little religion here. You know, your people say that we need to worship on that mountain in Jerusalem. My people say we need to worship on this mountain here. And she begins to talk about worship, hoping that, see, he's not going to go any further. And Jesus knows it. And so he stays on the topic of worship. She's got a worship problem. She's not worshiping God. Her worship is men. Her worship is relationships. And Jesus knows it's not working for her. And so he goes to the heart of her issue and says, go get me your husband. Folks. We all got a worship problem. For this Samaritan woman, it was men in relationships. What is it in your life that you've put before God? That you have tried to convince yourself that this will, this will quench your thirst. This will be the answer of your life. Is it your spouse? Is it your kids? Is it your job? Is it pornography? Is it body image? Is it a certain political party? Is it a hobby? Is it your health? Is it sports? (laughs) You know what, church? God's turning all those things upside down today. He's taken a lot of those things away. And you don't know what to do with yourself. And you feel at a loss. And the reason why you do is because you've got a worship problem. And I'm not just talking about you. I'm talking about me. You know, last Sunday, guess what I was doing while you guys were in church? I was doing one of my favorite hobbies. Fishing. I caught a five-pound trout. It was awesome. But you know what? Catching that five-pound trout is not ultimately going to quench my thirst. Because after I had to, kept, I caught that five-pound trout. Guess what? I had to get ready to come back to Ridgecrest, where it was 110 degrees. That's not where it's at. And Jesus knew the woman's issue. And I want you to know this morning, church, and those on Facebook this morning, Jesus knows what your your issue is. What your worship issue is. And those things are just continually making us thirsty. It's not working. And look what Jeremiah chapter 21, verse thir- ver- chapter 2, verse 13 says. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that hold no Water. Are you holding a broken cistern right now? Thinking that the water that you were pouring in there, whatever it might be, your form of worship is, it's just gonna go right through the pot. Jesus wants to be your living water. And so my question to you this morning, Where's your heart? Is your worship broke? Let me read John 737B, one more time. If anyone thirsts, these are Jesus' words, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living waters. Jesus is our only and our ultimate thirst quencher. And he wants us to come to him. And church, we're living in a world this morning where there are a lot of thirsty people, especially in this COVID world. And as church, we are the only ones that have the answer. The answer is Jesus christ and so this woman believed that the messiah she had a concept of the messiah that he was eventually going to come but now she knows that the messiah is right in front of her and so what does she do she leaves her pot there and she runs back to the village And she tells everybody she knows who's thirsty, come listen to a man who's told everything about my life. She becomes a witness. She doesn't become a pastor. She's a witness. And yes, she goes to the men and tells the men about Jesus. Why did she go to the men? Because it was only the men that she knew that she had a relationship with. That knew her. The women hated her. And so that's why she went to the men. And the men were very interested in what she had to say. He told you everything about your life. Now I'm sure they're thinking to themselves, What does he know about me in relationship to you? And the Bible says the whole village comes and listens. They, they believed her. They believed her story. And they went to Jesus himself. And he told them the truth. Church, worship is important. It's not where you worship. He's speaking to us in that too, isn't he? We're out here in the park. We can have church in the park. But Jesus says what matters when it comes to worship is that we worship Jesus in spirit and in truth. And church, both are necessary. We live in a culture today where when it comes to church, worship is very significant. And there's a a lot of attractional churches today that have incredible worship. But their teaching is heretical. And Jesus says, there'll be a day, and we're in that day, that we must worship Jesus both in spirit and in truth. Church, we need to know the truth. What the Word of God sees. We need to worship Jesus accurately. Because the Bible says, the truth shall set you free. The woman understood that. She believed Jesus had quenched her thirst. She had come into the presence of living water. The Bible says the men believed her story, but they wanted to come and hear from Jesus himself. And folks, that's really important because when it comes to worshiping him both in spirit and in truth, some of these churches that have incredible worship, They will hear from communicators that will talk about their relationship with Jesus, their experience with Jesus Christ. Or um, if you're familiar with the apostolic reformation, there's this office of apostleship where these people have been anointed by God. Just like Jesus was anointed by his father at the baptism. And when it comes to their office of authority and their experiences with God, it is put on the same level of spiritual authority with the word of God. And I want to tell you here this morning, church, that is blasphemy. It is only the Word of God that we are to be, submit ourselves to. Not the authority of man. Not out, doesn't matter how many spiritual, spiritual experiences they may claim. If it doesn't match the Word of God, they're a heretic. And so here these men are in the village, okay? They've listened to the woman. Okay? We believe your story. But that's not the gospel truth. We're gonna go and hear, we're going to hear from Jesus. And the Bible says, into verse 41, they heard Jesus, and they believed Him. His word was authority. So church, let's be careful. Yes, we are to worship Jesus Both in spirit and in truth. And as we do, and we make Him the center of our heart, we make Him our everything, He will quench your thirst. Where's your heart this morning? Give it to Jesus. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this amazing story that's so relevant. God, all your word is relevant, but it's just incredible how timely it is with all that we're going through in this day and age. But God, I pray for people in this park this morning who they've been drinking from various fountains, just like I drink from, and it never ever satisfies. Jesus, you and you alone will quench our thirst. God, I pray that each of us, even in this COVID pandemic, when so many things are are shut down, God, even though you've disrupted our idolatry, we would help to see you with spiritual eyes that you want us to come to you and you want us to drink from the well of your presence and the word of God. Draw us, Father, into relationship, into intimacy with you. if that's the desire of your heart this morning, just spend a moment in prayer asking Him, God, make me thirsty for You. Put Him on the throne of of your heart. That's where He belongs. Whatever's been on that pedestal, Stop putting that pressure on, on them or that thing. Get them off that pedestal. Put Jesus there. That's what you need. Father, thank you for your grace. You know each and every one of us, just like you knew this Samaritan woman, her lifestyle was sinful. She didn't have any lady friends. She burnt all those bridges. She was a lonely woman who came to the well all alone. And Jesus, you knew she was coming. You knew her story. Praise God, your grace far exceeded her sinfulness. And you desired to be in spiritual union with a Samaritan woman. Thank you for the gospel. It's not what we do that saves us. It's all Jesus, what you did. And so Father, I pray for each one. God, you've heard those prayers. May you be truly become living water in each of their souls. In each soul here in this park. And online. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. Alright, well I hope uh, God spoke to your heart this morning through that text. Uh, just a couple announcements. If you are a first time guests we we want first time guests or if you've never filled out a connection card through our church or anything, uh, we'd like for you to register your attendance today, either here in the park or online okay we want to uh, send you an e gift card so if you will go to this number if you'll um, go, do one seven six zero two three nine five five four three and text the word, welcome, and uh, tell us a little bit more about who you are when you get an additional text, we want to send you an e-gift card, and uh, thanking, thanking you for uh, participating with us, and if there's anything we can do to help you further in uh, your walk with the Lord, okay? So I encourage you to do that. Uh, there was supposed to be a one-on-one class today. But we had difficulty with the digital book that we were trying to send out. And so if you are anticipating doing 101 or if you want to do 101, uh, we are going to do a Zoom 101 next Sunday. We're going to get this corrected at 3 uh, o'clock on August the 23rd. Okay, so let us know if you want to be a part of the Zoom membership class next Sunday. Or next weekend, Garin and Susan Harris are going to be with us. There are missionaries in Togo and they've been in the US for uh probably about eight months now. And uh Garen and Susan, Garen's gonna be meeting with the men on Saturday, and Susan is going to meet with the women here in the park. And uh so what are the what's the time going to be, Fred? Okay, 8 to 9.30, simultaneous meetings will go on uh, here in the park, okay? So plan on being here for that. I'm sure a email announcement will go out this week to the church family. And then on Sunday morning, uh, Garen and Susan will be uh, leading our service uh, next week. Uh, also about the produce boxes, there's... Um, uh, produce box ministry has been suspended until September. Okay, so there's no, uh, box giveaway this, this Thursday. Uh, that's not gonna happen again until September. And, uh, and then ladies also, uh, women's Bible study is starting on August the 23rd. If you wanna participate in this, it's gonna be a Zoom study. You can go to the church website. And you can register on the church website for uh, the women's Zoom Bible study. And it's going to be on Hebrews. All right? Oh, you have to register by August the 23rd. Okay, the study will be in September, but uh, you have to register by the 23rd of August. Thank you for that correction. Okay? Well, let's all stand, shall we? And uh did I lie? I said that the service is going to be 45 minutes and it's an hour. I'm sorry. Let's pray. Let's pray as we're dismissed. Thank you, Father, for our time in the park. Uh, more importantly, thank you for Jesus and your word. And, uh, Father, it's our anchor, uh, You are our hope, and uh, you are the only one who truly quenches and satisfies our soul. Thank you, Father, for the word of God, the spirit of God. And truth, we love you. We praise you, in Jesus' name, Amen. God bless you for being here, guys. Have a wonderful week. Hey, doing, bro? Good. How are you? Good.